1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and you find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman, and as you can tell with the cold open today, we're talking about the A-Team. And the A-Team was one of my favorite shows of the 1980s. I'm sure with most uh, boys my age, that was one of their favorite shows as well. Uh, What can I say about it? The music, the characters, the van, the action, it was truly a great show. And I had a chance to speak with one of its stars, Dwight Schultz, who played the one and only Murdoch. Uh, it was a great interview. We touched upon his career, not only the A-Team, another iconic character he played, Lieutenant Barkley on Star Trek Next Generation, and what he's up to these days. And it was a pretty funny story. Uh, a couple of days after I interviewed him, I was leaving my mom's house, and there was this white van that was parked right in front of her apartment building, and it said the A-Team Business Services. So I immediately had to go take a picture, and I, I sent it to Dwight. He got a big kick out of it. I'll post a picture on the Facebook page. Be sure to like the Facebook page, Reliving My Youth. And here's Dwight. And helping me relive my youth today is the one and only Dwight Schultz. Dwight, how are you today? You know, I'm doing pretty well here in uh, hot Santa Clarita, California. Yeah, it's pretty hot over here. I'm doing very well. That's good. It's pretty hot over here in Connecticut on the East Coast as well today. (laughs) Yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of your career, um, how did you get into acting? Uh, I got into acting because that's the only thing that I ever wanted to do. Uh, I, I wore away a spot on the carpet in front of the television when I was three to five years old, literally. And um, uh, as I got older, I became fascinated with other people's voices. I became very finicky about people that I saw 
in uh, television. That, that, that one of my one of the, the my cowboy heroes was Red Rider, Wild Bill Elliott. And but there was another Red Rider, and his name was Rocky Lane. And uh, I used to throw a fit when it was Rocky Lane. My parents, I once cried, I think, for ten minutes <laughs> because the wrong actor was playing the role. <laughs> And uh, that's the way I, that's, I've always been into that. I always knew I wanted to be an actor, never anything else, never. So um, I was, I'm lucky. I'm one of those lucky, lucky people in life. I, I'm doing what it is that I've always wanted to do. Yeah, and once you do that, it's not really a job at all, is it? No, it isn't. Well, I mean, it's hard work at times, but, and, and there's a lot of depression and, there, there are a lot of, you know, it's a tough business, very, very tough, tough business. But when you have this, you know, this acorn in your head and it's growing into a tree, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you just, it, you just keep, you just keep pressing forward. You just keep. This is what I want to do. And um, I've always found, even in, I've had some pretty rough years, but even in those rough years. Uh, I have a few stories about those rough years, I can tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Um, you know, there's, it, it, you have to have it in your soul. This is what I want to do. That's it. And no matter what anybody says to you, and boy, you will have a lot of people tell you, nah, you're not going to make it. Look for something else. You just keep moving forward. That's it. Yeah, and that determination landed you the role of uh, Murdoch in 18, but... It almost didn't happen. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Well, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, I was I was actually playing Lord Byron at the Philadelphia Theater Guild when I flew out on my day off to audition for Murdoch, and um, it was a, a disastrous audition. Uh, that the producers had me go out and work with the director and come back in and do it again. <laughs> and uh, I came back in, and for some reason, it worked when I came back in, and I got the part. But as we were filming the pilot, uh, we were shooting in Mexico. Part, part we, we filmed some parts here in LA or here in LA and then the majority of the action sequences in Mexico but as we were in Mexico um, uh, the director came into my little room and told me that I was going to be removed (laughs) I wasn't working out and he said it wasn't the producers they loved me it was NBC and they uh, basically, Rob said, uh, it's just not going to work out, right? So they took me out of my little room and put me with the stuntmen. And um, everybody in the cast was uh, incredibly sweet and wonderful and gracious. And it was pretty rough. It was a rough time because I, I, I'm going to be replaced. That was it. And... Um, we went back to L.A. to finish shooting. But they were editing the material as it was being filmed. And they were testing it as it was being filmed. And my agent 
who I told, hey, I'm going to be fired. That's it. He called me and said, your dials are great. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell dials were. Right. <laughs> I, I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, no, your dials were great. You, you had the highest dials of anybody on the show. <laughs> and, and he explained to me that you have an audience and they're turning the dials to the right if they like what they see or hear and to the left if they don't. And so I was, uh, I had been written out of the first five episodes, and then they had to work to write me back in. Because, and this is, this is proof positive, <laughs> that even ne- major figures at networks will change their mind if the audience tells them that they're wrong. And so I was very fortunate to have, and I did have the support of Stephen Cannell and Frank Lupo, the producers. Um, they were very happy with my work. And this was Brandon Tartikoff and Grant Tinker making the decisions. But they changed their minds. They said, okay, he's, you know, the audience loved him, so put him back in. And um, that's, that's the story. That, that, that's it. It's one of those things. Up, one day you're down, the next minute you're up, then you're down again. And you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned dials. I was uh, way last year in Vegas, and that was, I actually my wife and I sat in on one of those screenings, and we had the dial in front of us. It was for I think the, the it was yeah it was for the MacGyver reboot of all shows, and you know you, you listen to the audience pretty much. <laughs> That's amazing. See, I, I mean it's a it's an amazing situation. You know, uh, I mean, it, 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 our political candidates are picked the same way. <laughs> you know, they, they do the same thing. They have all these focus groups with dials. Yeah. I mean, dials rule. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? You're absolutely right. I mean, we, we, used, we used to have dials on TVs. You used to turn the channel. Not anymore. Now it's all, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I just loved it. It's, it's one of those things and you never, I mean, my, like I say, I have never been able to predict. I've never known when, the 18 was the only time in my life that I knew where I was working the next week. Right. That was it. I've never, ever, excuse me, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I you have some, a few Broadway plays I've been in that ran for six months or something, so you but generally speaking, I have never known what I was doing the following week. Uh, and I know actors who are booked for three or four years. You know, they know exactly what they're doing for the next three or four years. Um, but I have never been someone uh, in that category or that situation. Um, but something always crops up. So. Right. Now, like you said, like, the 18, the only, like, consistent, like, TV job. Now, you've done some guest-starring roles as well. Do you, I, I'm sure you prefer having a steady paycheck, but do you like playing the variety of different roles as well? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, that's, you know, part of the, uh, for me, it was always, uh, I mean, Murdoch, for instance, I mean, he was, he could be almost anything. Uh, and I had to, I had to fight to get that quality into the character. Um, but uh, that was why it was such a pleasure, even though it was only four years. But that was four years of consistency in my life, and I do really appreciate that. 
become incredibly boring. And uh, uh, as I got, as I moved through my career, uh, I I ran into voiceover work and video games and animation, and I started fighting between that and uh, television. And um, in 2001, uh, I was in a, a, a TV series called The Agency, and I was playing a character of everything that I had been given for television on camera stuff for the last five or six years at that time. And I knew that was going to be the last time I was ever in front of a camera because I loved working in video games and animation so much because I could be anything. Uh, in television and film, I received scripts. Hey, you know, you're a dad, you're a judge, you're an accountant. Uh, these, these, uh, these were roles where I couldn't figure out why they just didn't know somebody that they could give this role to. You know, the idea that you had to go read for it or audition for it was ludicrous to me. But in video games and in animation, I could be an angel, I could be a demon, I could use any accent in the world uh, that's available to me. Um, I could play almost anybody or anything. And even though there weren't big bucks in that, it was it was invigorating, and I knew it was going to be the next entertainment. Uh, it, it was going to be big. Let's, let's put it that way. Eventually, even though the money has never been there for actors, uh, the, it, it, it was it, it now the video game industry makes more money than the motion picture industry. And, of course, we're on strike. <laughs> right. Oh, <boy. laughs> so I haven't been working. I've not been working because we're on strike. And now the actors are getting ready to go on strike. In, in standard motion pictures and television, there are going to be strikes everywhere. But it is, if you give a kid a choice, do you want to be in a movie or do you want to watch a movie? You know, hey, you're going to want to watch it, but you're really going to want to be in it. Uh, and so I knew that that's, and, and of course, it's the technology is just astonishing. <clears throat> it, 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 it's astonishing where it's going. So uh, I, I felt very fortunate to have been at the very beginning uh, of the video game world and industry. Um, and I remember... Go, I, I was uh, in, in a, a, a video game, uh, Reddick. It was way back there. And I put headphones on, and there was Ren Diesel's voice. And I knew, because up to that point, most of the voice actors were unknowns. Uh, but I, 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 when I heard Ren Diesel over those headphones, I said, we're moving to the next level. Now the stars are coming in to push the games as much as they're going to push the movies. And I knew where it was going to go. And um, as, as I say, I feel very fortunate to have been on the ground floor. Uh, except you, the only problem with it is that you now have to sign a confidential, confidential agreement. You can't talk about anything until it's out. 
Right. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Somebody's, what have you done lately? Well, I, it's, I can't talk about it. So, um, although uh, they, they eventually come out, for instance, the um, Mordor, Shadow of War, has just come out so I can talk about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, <laughs> it's very difficult to not be able to talk about the things you're doing. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, it limits conversation. <laughs> right. Now, I mean, have you played any of the video games that you've actually been part of? <laughs> no, not recently, no, no. I used to, I played all of the old original Activision games and, you know, all of those things. So, back in the 70s, I was into video games back then, but I haven't played the games that I've uh, been a part of. And... Um, and, and of course, you're, uh, it, it's changed so dramatically. You know, you're, it, it, you're it, the, the photorealistic creations that they have now are just staggering, and they're and they're, and they're leaps and bounds getting better and better and better. Yeah, but, it's. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm saying it's almost like you, as if you're watching like a motion picture. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's it's pretty um, funny because like. One of your games that you were in, Gears of War 3, we did a tournament this uh, weekend, Gears of War 4. So it, it, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, Gears of War. Oh, some of them are, are killers on the voice. I, I can tell you that. I can imagine. <laughs> you, uh, we, we um, in fact, uh, they, <laughs> there was, and I think it was Gears of War, uh, they... <laughs> they were um, you know when you put the when you put the headphones on you're not only connected with the director who's in the room with you but frequently the producers in Toronto or in Atlanta so you have all these voices that are coming at you and they're trying to give you background you know and uh, this one I, I was uh, I, I had, I really mean this, it was about 700 full-out screens in four hours. And um, <laughs> my, my voice was completely gone. <laughs> and now they have to warn you when you get an audition that, that it could be stressful. Could be. But anyway, the screen that they wanted... <laughs> this is so ridiculous. A, the character, there was a flamethrower shoved up his bottom, <laughs> and the flames came out his mouth, right? <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted a scream to go along with that. And uh, I, first of all, your larynx is gone at that point. All, all, all of the, the fluid in your throat is evaporated, and all you're going to hear is the sound of the flamethrower. That's all you're going to hear. You know? I mean, it's, it, it was ridiculous. But, but, man, I'm telling you, 700 screens. Wow. <laughs> and, um, but they now have to warn you about that. And actually... I think for all intents and purposes, they ought to have people who specialize in screaming because you can't, you can't tell who it is who's screaming. That's true. 
you know, it's, it's, it's sort of ridiculous. Every time I listened, I mean, I have listened to, you know, listened to the games sometimes. Um, and you just say to yourself, you can't tell if that's me or if that's Joe Blow or somebody else. You just can't tell. Right. Now, one of your other roles, which was absolutely my favorite of you, that you've ever done, is Lieutenant Barkley. Being a huge Star Trek fan, I think between you and John Delancey playing Q are probably the two best uh, recurring par- characters on this show. And it's a pretty funny story how you got involved in Star Trek, isn't it? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, I was making a movie called The Long Walk Home with Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, and she was in the, the first year or two of uh, the new uh, Star Trek. And I knew Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes. And um, I knew Brent was all worried about being typecast. It was just, and I was telling him not to worry about it. You're going to love it. You're going to be great. And it's not going to ruin your career. It's not going to help your career. And um, so anyway, I was, I... Uh, Whoopi was in the room across from me at the hotel down there in Mississippi, where we were, uh, I mean, excuse me, Alabama, where we were shooting, um, it was about Rosa Parks and her um, refusing to, to uh, um, go to the back of the bus. Uh, it was a great, it was a great uh, it, it was just it was, a, it was a lovely movie a very lovely movie anyway so I got on famously with Whoopi and told her how jealous I was that she was in Star Trek and that I was a huge fan of the original series and I knew this was going to be successful too because of all the wonderful people who were in it and she said why don't you want to be in that show you want to be on the hit you know and I said ah, you know it was one of those things that happens uh casual comment but um, after we were finished shooting the film and uh, I got back in LA and uh, well some about a year had passed actually uh, my manager said there was a script for me from Star Trek and I didn't have to audition it was a part for me and um, I was uh, I was stumped I really was you know, I, I and, and I had imagined um, wearing a multiple Westmore makeup, you know, an alien or something like that. And I was stunned when I uh, read the script and saw it was a nerd <laughs> <laughs> who was a real fan. I mean, I thought to myself, they put a fan on the deck of the Enterprise. And... Um, it was one of those, again, it was serendipitous and out of the blue, and I never thought, ever thought, that I would be in more than one episode. I thought I was a guest. Usually guests are one episode, and that would be the end of it. And the fact that they brought me back was uh, a real joy. Once a, it was just about once a year for, for a long time there. And... Um,
and you got to reprise Barkley in First Contact as well. That was a pretty memorable cameo too. And and, and uh, once again, that was I, I, Jonathan Frakes called me about three days before they were going to shoot the scene, and he said, "I have a I, I have a part here for a lieutenant," and that's all that it said. And he said, "We already have a lieutenant, right? You're you're a lieutenant, Barkley, right? You want to play it?" You know, he was one day shooting, and I said, absolutely. And uh, so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And again, you know, out of the blue, one day shooting, you go do it, and um, people loved it. I guess that it was a, and it was great. He was he was really a fan in that in the movie. Right. I mean that that was part of the the joy of it all, meeting the scientists, you know, and actually being a fan and I think the fans love that. I, that that's the great thing about the the writers for Star Trek and the producers they were so responsive to their audience I mean they they did everything that they possibly could to fulfill the desires of, of, of the audience uh, they made sure all the terminology was correct they knew how many uh, letters they would get if they were wrong about certain things and they really wanted to please the fandom they really did and I, I was impressed by that I have, to, I have to say that yeah they they pretty much nailed it I mean I've, I've been a fan since you know the original and um, yeah your role was great did you think that you maybe you'd get cast in future movies as well Walking down the street, do you get recognized more as Murdoch or Barkley? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm never recognized. Um, every once in a while, someone, if I'm, if I'm paying, if I'm buying something in a store or I'm sitting and I'm talking to someone for a few minutes, they'll say, your voice is familiar. you quizzically and say, did you know my brother? <laughs> It'll be that sort of thing. But uh, no, I'm never recognized. Yeah, maybe if, maybe if you screened, they would recognize your voice. <laughs> <laughs> In video games, yes. Yeah. Have you played, uh, uh, oh boy, EverQuest recently? Right. <laughs> I, think I, I think I did like 17 voices on that thing. Wow. <laughs> now, I kept thinking, every time they called me back, I kept thinking, what did I do wrong? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's um, no, I'm not recognized, and um, 
But I am happy about that. Right. I, I am. Yeah. yeah. Now, like, they rebooted the A-Team as a movie a few years ago. You had a little bit of a cameo. Uh, are you, like, in favor of Hollywood rebooting pretty much everything? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the part problems with Hollywood that they're they're not doing new things, uh, and that's that's what they have to start doing. Um, but it, it's a you know it's with the eighteen for instance, Truffaut Copley who, who played Murdoch in the film right. was fantastic. I thought in the movie. Uh, by the way, and I thought he was the closest to the real flavor of what the 18 TV series was about. But they they missed the essence of the movie, of, of the television series, which was you had four guys who were dependent on each other and they, each one had a very special place and a job. Now, one was a pilot, you know, the other guy was uh, a manipulator, con man. You had the uh, brute strength, and then you had the guy who came up with the plan. And what did they do? But they helped little people. They helped people in distress to fight against corruption, real corruption. I mean, that, that was, in essence, they helped good people against bad people. And the movie... It was government. And they he was fighting government. And they gave every damn uh, skill to face man. Right. And he came up with the plan at the end. So there was no need for the A-team. It should have been called the face team. Exactly. I guess because Bradley Cooper was hot back then. And they wanted to That's showcase it. him. Yeah. That's it. And so they made it the face team. And um, it, it, it was... It was a shame, I think, because they uh, they just missed the very essence of what made the TV series successful for only four years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People think it went seven; it only went four. But uh, but even there, it was um, it was it was an uphill battle with the eighteen because the network hated it and everybody wanted it gone, and uh, so it's just one of those things. But it's but. Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you one that can watch yourself on camera if you flip on no, the TV? No. No. <laughs> no. No. Can't do it. No. Uh, I may be able to watch the 18 now. Right. But I, I could not do it when I was working because I I only focused on every problem that I had and everything I didn't like. And that obsessed me. I became obsessed with it when I went to work. So I, I, I looked at dailies for a while, and then I decided that I couldn't do it anymore. And um, no, I've, I, I've never been one who really wanted to watch myself. Right. Now, what I, was... know, I, know, I know people who love it. I do, and I admire them. But uh, yeah, what was like the to... what was like the mood like on, on the show? Did like all of you get along for the most part? Oh yeah, yeah, most of the, most of the time. between George and T. 
which uh, grew worse over the four years. But uh, in general, it was a pretty pretty good set. Um, the big problems were scripts. They they were um, unlike Star Trek, which had real writers and producers who were with it from beginning to end. We, uh, all the writers who were on the show for the first year all became producers of Cannell's new television series the next year. So we lost all of our writers every year. We never had the same writers. And he was building an empire, which moved to Canada, strangely enough. But uh, we had no consistency whatsoever. And so uh, the big problems were, but, but then we found out they, 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 they only wanted to do uh, 100 hours and then cancel the show. Mm. That was it. Panel had other ideas. And, and the network, we were not quality programming. And that was the big Brandon Tartikoff, Grant Tinker moniker at the time. Quality programming. And we were not part of it. So they, and we were the, only show in the, up, up in the we were like number one yeah that's uh, that's when you have to listen to the fans because they, they enjoyed it and it definitely was quality programming Dwight I appreciate this <laughs> so much <laughs> hey, uh, thank you and, uh, thanks for uh, having me my pleasure hey I couldn't help noticing that Jack is beginning to dry out Frank, you ever try tanning butter only on pancakes it tastes pretty yucky but it did turn my tongue a nice shade of brown. Who is he? Well, uh, when we get on a plane, you can sit next to him, and if you figure him out, let us know. Are you, are you, are you okay? That has never satisfactorily been determined. Are you a psychiatrist, Mr. Wader? Oh, no, ma'am. I'm insane. Would you like a nut? Nuts and condiments! I've been promoted! As soon as I find out who I am, you'll be the first to know. My name is the actor.